Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of If These Hills Could Talk. I'm your old buddy, Brando. Thank you so much for tuning in, wherever it is you're listening to the podcast. Um, these things usually drop on Sunday or Monday, but uh, I've been busy, and I've also kind of been slacking, to tell you the truth. So uh, <laughs> I've, I've, been, I've been a little bit of both, uh, if that makes any sense. And so uh, today, I'm going to kind of do a two-in-one episode, because we've been doing the Bible stories where I've been breaking down those, and I want to do another one of those. But there's also some, some things going on in the world that I would like to address. So this will kind of be a two-in-one episode, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting it out to you and getting your thoughts on it. Uh, before we get started, I do want to thank everyone that came out this past weekend and uh, supported me in the music shows. Uh, they were a great time. Uh, thanks to everyone who came out to the Butcher's Pub on Thursday, and thanks to everyone who was uh, at the in Pineville, Kentucky. That was really cool playing for the pre-climb up there. Had a really good time there on Friday, and then Saturday we had a really good time at Record Store Day in Knoxville, Tennessee. So thanks to everyone who uh, who came out to those shows and uh, supported us. We really appreciate it. And before I get started, I want to remind you that uh, the next show's on the list is Thursday, May the 5th. I will be at Butcher's Pub, the Pineville location, from 7 to 10 p.m. Uh, then uh, Friday, I will be at the Caboose in Cumberland Gap from 9 until late. And that's how we sell it there. We, we say 9 to late. I've, I've literally went from 9 to about 12, depending on the audience, and I've went 9 to about 2, depending on the audience. Uh, so we just have a good time. It's a really loose show. It's in my backyard. I can literally walk to it if I had to. And so uh, I really look forward to that one. So if, if you're out and about this uh, next weekend, uh, Thursday I'll be in Pineville uh, at the Butcher's Pub, 7 to 10, Friday the Caboose in Cumberland Gap from 9 to whenever. So uh, that'll be good. I want to remind you, too, uh, I probably need to say this more often. People tell me I need to plug this part more often, but I'm still new in the podcast world. Uh, wherever it is that you're listening to the podcast, if you could rate it, review it, uh, it really helps to get it out there into the world and uh, helps uh, people be able to find it a lot easier. So uh, th- like I said, this week's kind of going to be a two-parter, uh, uh, kind of a two-in-one uh, subject matter-wise. Uh, you know, I definitely, I hear in just a little bit, I'm going to break down another story in the Bible. But before we do that, I wanted to dive in and talk about the whole Elon Musk buying Twitter. Um, the one thing, first of all, I got to be dead honest with you. I don't really know a whole lot about Elon Musk. You know, I, I just know he's a billionaire. I've not, you know, billionaires aren't somebody that fascinates me enough to want to study him. I'm more likely to study a serial killer than I am a billionaire. So I don't, uh, I've never really, I don't know a whole lot about the guy. Uh, but what I do know is the way that the right wing is is reacting to this thing is what I want to talk about. Um, for all I know, Elon Musk may be the greatest guy in the world. I don't know. But it's what uh, the right wing is making out of this that has really uh, has got me to thinking, and, I, and it should get anyone to thinking. You know, freedom of speech, um, well, well, I want to say this. I, there's two books these days that people love to thump. That's the Bible and the Constitution. And nine times out of ten, the people thumping them the loudest are the ones who have read them the least. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I have a copy of both laying right here in front of me. And I literally own a copy of the Constitution, and I own a copy of the Bible, and I still read and study both of them because so many people out there today wants to get on top of them and thump them real hard and try to uh, – it's funny to me that they, they call themselves the don't tread on me crowd when in reality they tread on everybody they can come in contact with. They tread on blacks. They tread on Mexicans. They tread on the LGBTQ community. They tread on uh, transgender children. It, it's like they tread on women's rights, whatever. They tread on everything, but just don't don't touch me. That's basically their their philosophy. And uh, they love to quote the Constitution, which they probably heard Sean Hannity or uh, Glenn Beck or Alex Jones tell them what it said, or uh, or Uncle uh, 
Uncle Buck over here going to tell everybody what's going on. And, uh, you know, anyway, uh, so in the Constitution, in, in the very First Amendment, here it is. <clears throat> Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Can anyone tell me where that says Twitter shall make no law or where that says Facebook shall make no law or TikTok shall make no law? It says Congress shall make no law. And what has happened here in America is that somehow or another, we have let the wrong people get control of the narrative of free speech. Now, I want to explain to you guys that I have always been an advocate for free speech, and I've always said unpopular speech is free speech. I've always been a believer that we should tolerate things in this world that we don't like in order to be able to say the things we want to say. So there's a whole lot of things out there in the world I see that offends me. Uh, well, I don't even know if offends the word for me. There's, th there's things that I don't agree with that I see, but I don't get so offended that I go out of my way. I have never sat down and written a letter to the editor. You know, I don't do that. That's just not me. I don't write letters to the editor. If I read something I don't like, I go my own way with it. If I stop at a gas station, I'll tell you all a story. I stopped at a gas station one morning on the way to work, and I, I was there's there's another gas station that was about I don't know 15 minutes on down the road that made the best sausage biscuits around. Uh, Booker's, Maynardville, Tennessee, <laughs> great biscuit. And but I was super hungry and I was out of gas and I couldn't make it to the next gas station. So what did I do? I stopped. Walked in, I looked, and there they had some biscuits and a warmer. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if their biscuits are any good. So I got me one. Walked out to the gas pump. Right there as I'm pumping my gas, I, I crack open my drink, start drinking it. I, I start eating the biscuit. Well, I tried. When I bit into that biscuit, man, I could not tear it apart. It was the toughest, driest, blandest piece of shit I ever put in my mouth. And I tried to, like, break it apart. And then I tried to chew on it. And it was like chewing on, a, like, a belt or something. And I just... Threw it in the trash, spit it out, rinsed my mouth out, and rushed on down the road real quick to stop at Booker's to get the good biscuit. And guess what? I never called to complain to the people at the other one. I never wrote a letter to them. I never got on Facebook and bitched about it. I just made a mental note, their biscuits suck. And I didn't go back. So I'm not one of these people that wants to cancel everybody. I'm not one of these people that wants to get people fired. I'm not one of these. That's not what I am. I've always said that free speech, unpopular speech, is free speech, and I believe that with all my heart. But there, that doesn't mean that there's not consequences for speech. And right there in the First Amendment, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. It's saying that, it's saying Congress. It's not saying private companies. It's not saying private platforms. The, the right wing has tried to make this thing out like the way that Joe Rogan and all of his right wing jerk off buddies loves to loves to put it out there is that liberals wants to cancel anyone that disagrees with them and that and that Twitter should just be town square that everybody should just be able to come to Twitter and say whatever they want to that should be the place that everybody should have their freedom of speech okay yeah go right ahead but when you say something that is factually inaccurate it should be flagged as so when you say something that incites a riot, it should be flagged as so. When you, I mean, there is no, I mean, of course we have freedom of speech, but that doesn't mean we have freedom of consequences from that speech. As long as you're not being arrested, if, if people were being arrested for a Twitter post, that would be different. I would have a completely different way of looking at it if suddenly people were being arrested for saying things. 
But when you are saying things that are causing people to, to when you're inciting a riot, and when you're spreading misinformation in during the middle of a global pandemic, there has to be some sort of boundary set. There has to be some sort of uh, rules in place for how that people speak. And that's not taking away your right to free speech. If you want to tell me that Metallica is the greatest band of all time, that's your freedom. You can do that. But if you want to start spreading rumors that this factory over here is actually a front for pedophilia and they've got children and they're molesting them. And you sit there and you pump people's head full of that so much. And you keep telling it. And you keep, you keep coming to them and saying, oh, here's more facts I got. Here's more things I got. And then suddenly some psychopath that's listening goes out here and shoots that factory up and kills a bunch of innocent people. You should be held accountable for that shit. That's not freedom of speech. You see, the way I was taught growing up is, is that if you walked into a movie theater and yelled fire, that's not freedom of speech. But somewhere we have allowed those people to get the control of the narrative. And somewhere we're saying, oh, uh, well, he has every right to yell fire. He believes there's a fire. That's not how it works. It's not about the left wanting to shut down the right. I don't give a shit what they say. They can yell, don't tread on me till they turn blue. I don't care. They, they can disagree with me on policies. They can disagree with me on, on, on any subject matter they want to. But when you come to the table and you say things, if someone flags you, if someone fact checks you and says, hey, that's not true, that's not trying to control the narrative and that's not trying to indoctrinate you. But that's what we've let the right wing do. And it's funny to me how that I always get accused of being far left. And that's something that they love to say these days. The radical left, the radical left. They love to throw that out there. I am not the radical left and most people I know aren't. We're centrist. We're, we're pretty much in the middle of the road. But things have went so far to the right that we do look extreme, I guess, to them. And the one thing that the left doesn't do that they probably should is we should start pointing out that, hey, this is the radical right. I mean, give them a dose of their own medicine. This is the radical right. This is what they're doing. They have gone so far right that those of us kind of hovering in the left of center, we look extreme left to them. And this idea that, well, they're trying to shut us down. They're, they're trying to control the narrative. Look, I'll tell you what beats science, better science. And until you have solid, concrete evidence, it, you, you can't just quote the My Pillow guy. You can't just quote Kid Rock, okay? You, you, have to, you have to have something better than that. And it's so funny. You'll see Trump on the interview with Piers Morgan. He's talking about the election being stolen, and, and, and Piers says, who I'm not the biggest fan of, by the way, Piers says, oh, well, show us the evidence. Well, they won't report it. They won't show it. It's there. Just take a look at it. Just take a look at it. Nobody provide it. Every time you've, you've had every chance in the world to provide it in a court of law and every time it got slapped down. Now, that's not us controlling the narrative. That's you don't have sufficient evidence to back up your claim. It, it, I will always be a champion for free speech. I will always be someone who speaks up and says everyone should be allowed to speak. And I have seen people on the right Yes, I have. I've seen people on the right be unfairly censored for certain things. But I've also saw people on the left be censored. And I've also seen people on the left be censored because people mass reported them. That's one of the biggest things going on on TikTok today. I've had several friends who don't even say half the things I say. And they have made videos. A buddy of mine, um, uh, one of my favorite creators on there, Incrediberry, Adam, that guy is always saying things in a comedic way. He says very thought-provoking stuff in a, in a comedic way. And sometimes when someone leaves a very hateful comment on his uh, videos, I, I mean, an extremely hateful comment, he will just dance. 
He'll just do a little dance to a song and twerk and, and just make faces. And he has been removed, banned. He's not, he's not now. He's back at the moment. But he has been banned several times for hate speech and bullying because a bunch of right-wingers got together and said, hey, let's mass report this dude. You know, they, uh, it's, here, here's a guy who is responding to a hateful comment by dancing and by, and by you know, smiling about it. Just, just, you know, and that guy gets barred. Another buddy of mine got, got, got one of his videos taken down for duetting a video. It's not even him doing it. He's just sitting there reacting to a video he's seeing, and he got removed. So this idea that Republicans and the right wing just loves free speech so much that they want everybody to talk is absolute bullshit. They try just as hard to cancel everybody else. Look at all the things they try to cancel. Disney, Netflix, Bo uh, uh, Carhartt. You know, there is so many things I could sit here and name that they have tried to boycott and cancel. They didn't have no problem with Colin Kaepernick losing his spot on the football team, did they? They didn't have no problem with the Dixie Chicks getting run out of Nashville, did they? They didn't have no problem with the comedian Kathy Griffin getting blackballed for holding up the bloody head of Trump, did they? Hell no. And they would love to see any of us get shut down. But the difference is we're shutting them down for spreading misinformation. We're spreading them down for inciting an insurrection. And they're getting mad because we're, we're pointing out their racism and they're wanting to shut us down for that. That us holding you accountable is not the same as you trying to cancel us for trying to point out your mistakes. There's a huge difference. And I used to be, uh, I've said this before and I've made and in the past on TikTok, I had actually made videos supporting and defending Joe Rogan in certain situations. I was always a fan. I, I, I liked the way he just sat down and had conversations with people. I thought that was cool. And I, and I didn't watch every single episode. I watched the episodes with people that interested me in some way. So, you know, there was, if, if, if Dan Aykroyd was on there or, you know, uh, Mike Tyson or the undertaker or, or Bernie Sanders or Andrew Yang or whoever, or, you know, uh, uh Dennis McKenna or Sturgill Simpson, people that I found interesting, I'd tune in and I love Joe's way of just going about just having a conversation with those people. Um, and I had no problem with it up until he started turning over his seat, the, the, his guest chair to doctors who had been barred for spreading misinformation for doctors who had been barred for, for malpractice, and he's turning it over to them and letting them speak in the middle of a global pandemic with no, you know, well, it's free speech. Okay, you're letting a guy speak that the majority of doctors have disagreed with. The majority of doctors, this, this guy's on the outskirts, the, the, the fringe of this thing. And it's the easiest narrative for the Joe Rogans to spin. Well, they don't want the truth to come out. That's the easiest spin you could ever put on this. They don't want me to be heard. They're trying to silence me. So let me ask you a question. If you took your car down to the garage to be worked on, let's say that, you know, they put some uh, new brakes. You had to get new brakes put on your car. And let's say that there was a mechanic who had been fired from several different garages for installing brakes the wrong way. But yet he said, well, now, I, I think this is right now. I, these other mechanics are just trying, they're jealous of my skills, and they're just trying to put me out of business, so I'm going to put these brakes on the car the way I see fit. And people kept wrecking, and people kept getting killed. People kept getting hurt. Would you take your car to that guy? If there was a chef that had been fired from different restaurants for not cooking the meat at the right temperature, for not washing his hands, for not being clean, and he was fired, would you sniff out where it was he was working next and go go let him make you a sandwich that's how ridiculous and stupid that sounds to me 
when someone gets up there and says, well, they don't want me to be heard. Like, like, so, so like all these doctors would, would band together to say something against this one little dude over here, this one little nobody. You know, and it's so funny how Joe Rogan will sit there and somebody could, I could walk into Joe Rogan's right now and say, hey, Joe, I got the cure for cancer, buddy. Wow, tell me about this. Wow, how did you find the cure? Well, I, I tell you what, I was out there in my, in my shed, and I mixed up, I took two teaspoons of transmission fluid, put a little lemon, a little honey in there, and put a little salt on top, put a little dash of Tabasco, and my neighbor across the street was dying of cancer. I went over and gave him a, gave him a little drink at, buddy, that cancer was gone, Joe. And I've been trying to tell them for years, I've been trying to get people to listen to this, and they won't listen, Joe, because they want to keep us all sick. They want to keep us all out there. Wow, man. I mean, that's amazing. I can't believe you found such a cure in your shed. These people really need to listen to you. Well, I, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're talking because it's very important that you that you say these things. You get these things out there to the people. And then meanwhile, some jackass is over here drinking my concoction and falling dead from poison because you can't drink transmission fluid. <sighs> No, I don't have the right to say that shit. I can say that shit, but I should be shut down for saying it. I should be discredited for saying it. No one should ever take me seriously again for saying it. That's the fucking point. I'm not against you speaking your mind. Be a Republican. Be a conservative. Be a Christian. Be a cocksucker. I don't care what you are. Do it. And I'll, 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 I may not agree with what you say, but I will fight to the death for your right to say it. But when you get up here and you spread this bullshit and people dies because you're spreading that bullshit, then I have a problem with it. If you want to say that 2 plus 2 equals 17, I'm not, I'm, I, you can say it. Have at it. But it don't make it true. I never will forget a conversation I had. I was working in this place. I'll never forget this as long as I live. I was having a conversation with my, with some workers about it, and Donald Trump Jr. had been fact-checked on Twitter. And a guy I worked with who I, I loved the guy until he, until he began talking politics, and then it was just like, oh, shit. But the guy goes, well, you know, man, I don't believe in that fact-checking. I was like, really? He's like, no, because, see, they can just say whatever. They, they can make the facts up. They can just make up the facts. They can say this is the facts. I'm like, well, they could. But someone could come out with better evidence and, and truer facts. I mean, you could make a claim, but the truth still the truth. The grass is still green, pal. Now, somebody can call it neon orange, but overall, the grass is still green, and we can prove that, okay? So, so yeah, if someone fact-checks someone and says, no, the grass is orange, we can, we can come back and say, hell no, that they got that wrong. The truth's just the truth. But he said, well, I don't believe in that. He said, I believe that everybody out there, anybody in this world should be able to put out whatever information they want to put out into the world. And then I should be able to read it and choose what I think is true. And I just stood there. And I said, you don't get to choose what's true. You get to choose whether or not you want strawberry or chocolate or vanilla ice cream or a little bit of all three. But you don't get to choose what's true. That you don't get to do that. And at the time, we were working on these pallets, and, and the owner had came through and told us, said, boys, you got to get 10 pallets on that truck by 3.30. I don't care how, how you do it. Just get 10 pallets on there before 3.30. I said, well, you know what? I said, I, So I said to my buddy, I said, how many pallets did he say we had to get done? He said, I'm pretty sure he said 10. I said, well, I don't agree. I think he just said seven. I said, see, he's trying to silence me. He, he's 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 trying to he's trying to he's trying to silence me because he because I disagree with him he's trying to shut me down so I tell you what 
let's just do seven. And, and, and the company we were sending these to were in bad need of them. This was a, an emergency. Get 10 on there as quick as possible. And we had to do more than that. But it was at least send them 10 for now to get them started, and then we're going to back up and do more. I said, so if I just say it's seven, will that be okay? Can we just send seven? And then when he comes in tomorrow and the company calls him and says, man, I thought you was going to send us 10 and you only sent seven. He knows how fast we can work. He knows how much we can get stuff done. What's going to happen now? If he walks in the next morning and they call and say, hey, they only sent seven, and they've got the proof, and he has the proof, what's he going to say when he walks to that front door? Boys, why the hell didn't you send the 10? You had time. Why did you cut off early? Why did you only send them seven after I told you to send them 10? Well, I just believed it was seven. And Well, then you're fired, Brandon. Get the hell out of here. Well, he's trying to silence me. He's trying to take away my freedom of speech. I had a right to think it was seven. I had a right to say seven, and it is seven. That's how ridiculous this whole thing comes off to me. That is how ridiculous the entire thing comes off. And so now people are excited that Elon Musk is buying Twitter. Everybody's excited about it. Everybody can't wait because they think that they're going to be able to just run out here and say whatever they want to and turn Twitter into a dumpster fire. Well, here's what Elon Musk is up against. When he buys Twitter, and the deal still ain't inked. This is funny. The deal still isn't official. Uh, and he would, and even when it is made official, there'll be it'll be like a four or five month period before he actually takes over. However, guys like John Rich from Big and Rich saved a whole side capital. My God, he said I got fifty thousand followers since Elon Musk took over. No, jackass, that's bots. Okay, you got a bunch of bots coming over there to make it look as though that Elon Musk done something amazing. He didn't. You got a bunch of bots following you. Nobody gives a shit. But he, if he buys, if he buys Twitter and he allows Trump back on. Everybody's like, oh, mean tweets are coming back. Mean tweets are coming back. I don't give a shit about mean tweets. You, you realize where I grew up? I grew up in, I grew up in southeast Kentucky. I, I mean, I grew up around the biggest bunch of redneck people in this world. I had some of the most redneck uncles you've ever seen. They said whatever the hell they wanted to say to me, and I learned to, to toughen up my backbone and go on with it. I don't give a shit about mean tweets. But if he gives Trump his microphone back, then Trump is going to start pumping that shit into the world. Well, first of all, if he don't give him the, 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 the microphone back, uh, Trump supporters are going to be really pissed. And they're going to hate him, and they're going to, but boycott Twitter. Elon's another liberal. We can't let him have control. So he's damned that way. He's also damned if he gives him the microphone back. Because if he turns it into the dumpster fire, which he will, and if the My Pillow guy, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and all these people turns it into the dumpster fire, which they will, then Apple, big tech, has the right to say, we don't want Twitter on our iPhones the same way they did with Parler. Remember that dumpster fire? So I believe this is nothing more than a PR stunt. I believe this is one of those things where it will look as though you'll, you'll see some culture wars get fought on Twitter. You'll see some things happen, but he's still going to have to police that. He's still going to have to monitor that. He's still going to have to make sure that people aren't going too far out there on the limb. And the deal still isn't officially all the way through. I read an article the other day that there's a possibility he could pull out, and if he pulls out, he stands to lose a billion dollars. He'll lose a billion if he pulls out of the deal. Well, I say, you know, I he if I was Elon Musk, I'd cut my losses now and run because you're not. It's not going to be the town square that you think it's going to be. And it's so comical to me. He, you know, the the tweets Elon's putting out and the tweets that the guys like Joe Rogan are putting out. Free speech is coming back. If I thought for one second that fellow Americans were being silenced for their beliefs, for their for their 
for things like that, I would be on the side of Joe Rogan. But this is this is the ones that have the microphone and the ones that are trying to talk are the ones that are trying to yell fire in a crowded room. And I don't think that should be allowed to yell fire. And that doesn't make me any less unpatriotic than the next guy. Patriot is a word that has been abused for far too long. But Elon Musk's best bet would just be lose his damn billion and go back home. And, you know, because because what's going to happen is he's going to have to, he's still going to have to be accountable. And if a riot gets inside and another insurrection almost gets inside, then they're going to turn and say, where did this shit start? Well, it started on Twitter. So, you know, I never used Twitter. It was something that I never used. I had an account and I've had an account on there for about 10 years and I could never gain any traction on it. I never could. Nothing I said ever got out there into the algorithm and made a difference. And so even sharing my TikTok videos, which have had thousands of views and in, in one case, a million views, I've shared that video to Twitter thinking, well, maybe this will kind of boost my Twitter. It never did. It, it, it never, it ne so I never, it was never my, it was never my pound square. It was never where I went to really speak my mind. I didn't, it had no effect on me. And so I'm not going to be on there and I'm not going to care because I predict it's just going to end up, you know, it'll be something we talk about for a while and then it'll just end up being, you know, either A, it'll be a dumpster fire or B, it won't be what people thinks it is. You know, it's, it's just, it's funny to me. Again, the, the people that have got control of this narrative trying to act like they are the ones that are the champions of free speech uh, is sickening to me. And uh, I will always defend your right to say whatever you want to say, but I will not defend your right to spread misinformation. I will not defend your right to, to incite a right because you have no right to do that. So that's my thoughts on the whole Elon Musk, Twitter, and the free speech uh, that's being talked about today. Moving on is a subject that uh, we've been breaking down some, um, some Bible stories. People seems to be enjoying that. Um, and uh, so I'm going to now break down another story that was recommended to me by a good friend um, because I was kind of like, well, I don't know where I'm, I don't know which story I'm going to break down next. And she said, well, the, um, the story of Judas would be a great one. And I was like, oh man, yes, the story of Judas Iscariot is one that I would love to dive in and talk about because there is a whole lot to unpack on that subject. Now, for those of you that haven't read the Bible, you may tune off. You, 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 you may very well tune out at this point. Eh, he's going to talk about the Bible again. I'm out. But if you're still going to hang around, uh, Judas Iscariot was one of 12 disciples of Jesus Christ. He is who supposedly betrayed Jesus Christ and turned him in for 30 pieces of silver so that he could be taken and put on trial. Uh, in the movies, it's always portrayed that Judas walks up to Jesus and uh, and gives him the kiss of death, uh, kisses him on the cheek, and Jesus then says to him, you know, you betray your master with a kiss, you know. And the story goes that uh, that's how Jesus got arrested. But there is, as always, <laughs> there are so many holes in the story, and as always, the character of Judas is set up for failure from the very beginning. Um, I'm going to read to you first here from the, from the 26th chapter of Matthew. Uh, this is where the religious leaders make their plans to kill Jesus. We have the Last Supper. We have Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So I'm going to start right here, and then I'm going to, as we go, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Judas and, uh, and what this all means. Um, right here, it started uh, chapter 26. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said unto his disciples, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is to be betrayed, to be crucified. So he knows he's going to be, he knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows he's going to be crucified. Right there he's saying, the Son of Man will be betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people 
unto the palace of the high priest known as Caiaphas, and consulted that they might make that they might take Jesus and kill him. And they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when the disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for, for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also be this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. And then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they coveted, coveted him with thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Now the first day of the feast was unleavened bread. The disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand, and I will keep the Passover at the house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when even was come, he sat down with the twelve, and he said unto them, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And then Jesus answered, He, he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been better for that man that he had not been born. I'm going to stop right there just for a second. Okay, so Jesus has, has clearly stated here that he, he knows he's going to be crucified for his cause. This is the sole purpose of his mission is to die for the sins of mankind. And right there in, in, in the book, he, he says, one of you shall betray me. Um, and... Um, so, so Judas Iscariot is sitting there, and they're all going, is it I? Is it, am I the one that's going to do it? And he says, no, it's the one that dips his hand in the dish with me. Um, I want to look up something real quick as we're, as we're talking here, because there's another, in, in one of the other Gospels, uh, I'll find it, uh, in, the, in, in one of the other Gospels, Judas, or Jesus actually tells Judas what you have to do, do it quickly. Let's see, I don't think he said it just yet. Maybe not. But the point I'm making is, here, here he is, and uh, let me find this real quick. I'll find this in just a second. But what I'm what I'm trying to point out is that um, he 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 right here there at the Last Supper he's predicting his death and he says it'd be better that this man not be born. Well, actually, it was right in front of me. <laughs> then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said, Thou hast said. 
And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples, and they did eat, take this, this is my body. Jesus actually, in, it's in the Gospel of John that Jesus says to him, what you must do, do it quickly. That's a different account. In the Gospel of John where they, he says that. Okay, so he knows that the, his sole purpose, his sole mission in life is to die for the sins of mankind, and he says that Judas has to betray him. Judas, Judas has to turn him over in order for this, this whole mission to be accomplished. And he says right here, Woe unto the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be good that that man not be born. How is it that man's fault when you're telling him to do it? How is, that, how is it that man's fault when you're saying it's necessary, he has to do this because it's written he, might, he will? If it's written that Judas will betray him and this guy has grown up to be Judas Iscariot, picture this for a second. Picture you're the mother, of Ju you're the mother and father of Judas Iscariot. You're holding your baby boy in your arms. And it has been written that that baby boy is going to grow up to betray the Son of God. And it would have been better if that boy had never been born. Then from right there, from the time his mother first held him in his arms, Judas Iscariot didn't have a shot in this world. That completely shatters the argument of free will. If you believe that Judas was born to do that, then it, you can't say, well, he had, he, he had free will. He could have decided not to. No, according to this right here, this has to happen. You have to do it, and woe unto you for doing it. How in the world is that Judas's fault? And again, just like Eve was in the, in the garden, here is Judas set up for failure. He's going to go down in the history books as this evil traitor when the story was written thousands of years before he was ever born that that's what was going to happen. And I've actually brought this point across to preachers. I say, well, he, could, he didn't have to do it. He could No, according to this, he did have to do it. According to this, the story could not be told unless he did that. So let's keep reading just for a minute. And he drank the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them and said, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is to be shed for the remissions of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said, all ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But I am, but after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, I, yet will I never be offended. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice, meaning three times. Peter said unto him, Though I should, though I should die with thee, I will not deny thee. Likewise, also said the disciples. Now there's another character that gets a bad rap. Peter denies him. It was also written that someone would deny him. Uh, later, when Peter's back's against the wall and he's afraid he's going to get arrested, he denies that he ever knew Jesus Christ. And there's another character that is kind of set up for failure. But if we keep going. Then cometh Jesus with him unto a place called Gethsemane and said unto the disciples, Set ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death, tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not 
not as I will, but as thou wilt. That verse always jumped out at me. And I said in a previous episode, and I've said on uh, on on TikTok videos that I've made discussing religion and, and discussing the Bible, and it rubs people the wrong way when I say it, but I've always said Jesus could have just been another guy like a David Koresh trying to make trying to make um, scriptures fit, trying to make them happen. Right here he has kind of a moment of truth. For those that likes to say, well, Jesus is God. Jesus was God. Jesus transformed himself. Well, right here he's not. Right here he's, he's, he's having a no shit moment. And right here he's saying, oh, you know, if, this is, if it's possible, let me get out of this. He's second-guessing himself right here. The, right, right here he's second-guessing himself. He's been trying to make this story fit this entire time. But now that it's getting down to the wire, he's beginning to sweat. Um, and he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep. And he said unto Peter, what could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation, and the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed and said, O oh, my father, if this cup may not pass from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And, after, and he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and he left them and went away again and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and said, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand that the Son of Man will be betrayed into the hands of the sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doeth betray me. And while he spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave him a sign, saying, Who, Whosoever I shall kiss, the same is he. And forthwhile he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant on the ear and smote off his ear. Jesus said unto him, Put, it up, put up again thy sword unto his place, for they all that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinketh thou that I cannot pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled? That must it be. In that same hour Judah said to the multitudes, Are ye came out against a thief with swords and staves? For take to take me, I sat daily with you in the teachings of the temple, and yet ye lay a hold on me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. All this was done so that the scriptures of the prophets must be fulfilled. How is Judas a backstabbing traitor? He's just part of the story that Jesus says this must happen. Jesus is, Judas has always been has always been portrayed as this evil backstabber that the devil got control of. Even if the devil did get control of him, it says right there that all these things had to be done for the scriptures to be fulfilled. Again, Jesus knows that the scriptures must be fulfilled. He's trying to make them fit to make himself the Messiah. He's done everything, every step of the way. If you read the New Testament, read the Gospel of Matthew. I'm really a big fan of the Gospel of Matthew, and I like the Gospel of Luke. Both of those are very informative. And they tell you all through it how many times he says, for the scriptures must be fulfilled that I do this. It is said the Son of Man will come doing this, so I must do this. So here's a guy that is trying his best to to make this happen, he's trying to uh, to to uh, 
to make it uh, all happen. Now, uh, as for what happened after this, you know, Jesus does go on up to be uh, uh, crucified. He goes on up but, but for trial and ends up, ends up becoming crucified. And some people have always said, well, what happened to Judas? Well, there's actually two accounts in the Bible of what happened to Judas. And one of them is in Matthew chapter 27, verse 5. Um, well, it starts right here with, in, in verse 3. And then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw he was condemned, repented himself. And brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? And see thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. This guy, you know, it's maybe controversial, and I know this will go over like a lead balloon in a church, but. I don't see how Judas is the bad guy in this story at all. As a matter of fact, I feel really bad for Judas because now he feels condemned. Uh, he feels that he has betrayed innocent blood, but he had a guy claiming to be the son of God telling him all these things has to happen in order for the scriptures to be fulfilled. Imagine if you was in Judas's shoes. Imagine you're in the shoes of Judas and you believe this man is the son of God. And now if you back up to Matthew chapter 10, and I'm turning here and I'm not as fast as I used to be, but if you back up to uh, Matthew chapter 10 it tells you and when he called unto him his 12 disciples he gave them the power against unclean spirits um, hold on my page is tore to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease and then it goes on to tell you the 12 disciples so he gave Judas the power he gave Judas the power to cast these to, 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 to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead they had all the same power that Jesus had and then he sent them out into the world he sent him out into the world to do his to do his will. Imagine you're Judas Iscariot, you're traveling with this guy, and this guy gives you that kind of power. That, that that guy gives you all that power, and imagine what it would feel like to lay hands on a sick person, and boom, they're healed. Imagine what it would be like to cast a demon out. Imagine what it would be like to raise someone from the dead and go, "Wow, man, I'm you know I'm all powerful too." He gave those disciples those powers and sent them out into the world and said. You know, those that don't hear your words, you know, shake the dust off your feet when you leave, for it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for the people that deny you. He gave them all that power. He gave them all that those abilities. And he's saying, the scriptures must be fulfilled. The Son of Man has come to save everybody. The scriptures must be fulfilled. Judas, go do it quickly. Well, of course he went and did it. Who wouldn't? And then he's made to feel guilty? Because Jesus says to him, it'd be better you never been born. I, I view Judas as a dude that got caught up in a cult. I don't, I mean, I watched the, the Waco series. There was that little dude, David Thibodeau, that was played by uh, Macaulay Calkins' brother. I felt sorry for that character in that. And uh, he's act, actually became Facebook friends with him. I've talked to him since, but that dude is cool as shit. And, you know, when he's sitting there and David Kresh is telling him everything that has to be done, He's an impressionable young man looking up to this dude. That's kind of how I view Judas. He was a, probably a young, impressionable dude looking for a way in the world, and he looks over and sees this charismatic you know, man that can do all these things and claims to be the son of God, and they've been looking for the Messiah the entire time, so of course Judas is going to fall behind him. Wouldn't you? And if you was gave all those powers, again, can you imagine what that would feel like to have those kind of powers given to you? And then that guy says, you got to do this, and woe to you for being born, buddy, but you got to do it. And now he's sitting there feeling so bad that he hanged himself, according to the book of Matthew. But now if you turn over to the book of Acts, let's see exactly where it says it. Uh, 
Yeah, they uh, right here they replaced Judas as one of the twelve with uh, Matthias. And it says in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, In those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. The number of the names together were about 120. Men and brethren, the scripture must need to be fulfilled. Here we go again. We've got to fulfill this. Got, Jesus is dead. Judas is dead. But we still got to fulfill this whole thing. Which the Holy Ghost by mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was the guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us, and he obtained part of this ministry. So that even they are acknowledging that, that Judas obtained part of the ministry. Now, this man purchased a field um, with the reward of the iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it, So right there, they're saying that he jumped off a cliff, basically. It's reported that he was hanged, he was jumped off a cliff. Then right here, and it was known unto the dwellers of Jerusalem insomuch at, that the field in their proper tongue, I can't pronounce this word, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwelleth therein and his, I can't pronounce that word either, <laughs> let another take. Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all this time and the Lord Jesus went in and among us, being from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from, must one be ordained to witness with us his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Lord, uh, which knoweth the hearts of all men, show, um, show whether these two thou hast chosen. So right there he replaces, he replaces, um, he replaces Judas right there in the book of Acts after they say that Judas was, um, um, had jumped off a cliff and killed himself, basically. So there's two different accounts as to how he died. And I remember growing up hearing ministers say that uh, Judas didn't go to hell. He went to his own place. The Lord put him in his own place because he had to do this act. Again, just like I talked about in the previous episode with Eve in the garden, Judas was a guy that was set up for failure from the beginning. If he's told to do something to fulfill a scripture, how's he the bad guy in the story? And how does free will exist? What if you are in a story right now that needs to be written and needs to be fulfilled? You could argue this from every possible angle. <clears throat> you could say, well, you know, I mean, Sharon Tate was predestined to be murdered by the Manson family, so it had to be Charlie. It had to be Leslie Van Houten. It had to be Susan Atkins. You could make that argument, couldn't you? If you're going to sit and tell me that these stories were written before they ever happened, and then the characters were born to play those stories, then there's no way you can call the character bad. And what shot do you have in this world if right now you have been written into someone's story for a purpose, to fulfill a story? If you've been written into that story, then there is no reason for you to live a clean life. There's no reason for you to do anything. If that's the case, then, then party down, man. Like what? I mean, what? What would? What would it? What would it stop? What would stop? If if I knew, if somewhere right now, and people say, "Well, you know, the Lord knows where you're going to go." Well, if He knows where you're going to go, if He knows what decisions you're going to make, then what difference does it make which decision you make? He knew it. So if you want to turn left, turn right, go up, go down. If you if you choose to be peaceful, if you choose to fight, if if you're telling me that God knew everything you was going to do, then there was no point in you doing anything any different. 
and anything that happened happened for that reason. So, you know, again, this is a character who I feel was set up for for failure right off the gate. It's a character that kind of tugs at my heartstrings because I can't imagine what it would be like to be given all those powers and be around this charismatic dude and then be told, well, condemned are you for what, what I'm telling you to do. It's funny to me, too, that Judas never says, like, I wonder what went through Judas's mind that didn't get recorded in the Bible. I wonder if he was over going, dang, man, you know, I don't, I don't know if I really want to be a part of this or not. You know, I don't, I don't want to betray anybody. I don't, I don't want to see him die. Maybe that's what caused him to hang himself. I'm sure it did. He's sitting there with all that guilt ridden and all that trauma. And for those of you that grew up in the churches and are trying to deconstruct from all that trauma, well, I don't know that you ever went through anything as traumatic as what Judas Iscariot went through. How many people that have came out of the church and tried to deconstruct have ended up taking their own life? How many people how many people in the gay community that was pushed out of their church and made to feel worthless? How many of those people had that moment like Judas where, well, I guess it was written that I would never be accepted. I guess it was written that I could never be anything other than what I am. Imagine, I can't imagine those feelings. I, I, I've been deconstructing ever since I was 20 year old. Uh, and it's still a work in progress. And the trauma that you face in these churches, the, the, the mental imagery that gets put in your head from the time you're a little kid, it stays with you and it'll stay with you till the day you die. You can you can just deconstruct all you want to. You can read all the books. You can watch all the YouTube videos. You can talk to all your friends that have been through it. You can share experiences all day long, but you will always have that hanging in the back of your head. And if, you, if, you're, if you're traumatized for growing up in a Baptist church or growing up in a Catholic church or growing up in a Pentecostal church, a holiness church, can you imagine the trauma that was going through Judas Iscariot's mind in that moment? Why is he the bad guy in the story? The guy was set up for failure by a guy who was trying to make a story fit, by a guy who was trying to fulfill a scripture that he had read. And if someone came along and did that today, we'd all call him a psycho. We'd all call him a Looney Tune. And we would send in, you know, if, if the Last Supper was happening today in America somewhere, we would probably send in tanks and, and blow them out of there. So, but yet we go to church every Sunday and we worship these characters and we believe in these characters and we just kind of let it roll off our shoulders. Well, that's what Judas got, you know. He, he made that decision and that's what he done. Well, not according to the Bible. He didn't, I mean, according to the Bible, the whole thing was, was rigged. He was predestined to lose before he was ever born. And I don't find that to be a comforting thought. I don't find that to be something that we should praise God for. And, you know, I know I know a whole lot of people will disagree with me on this one, but I've never found the idea of praising God. It's like, okay, I have five children. They don't have to say nothing to me. They don't have to praise me for nothing. You know, um, I would hope they would respect me, but I would also hope that my actions would make them want to respect me. You know, I don't believe in the whole honor of thy father and mother thing. I believe that that's something that should be earned. I believe that's something that, you know, a parent, you know, a child a child that's being molested by his parents should never honor them. And why should, I mean, what does, what does praising God, how does praising God make you a better person? Really stop and think about that for a minute. You see, I believe with all my heart that God did not make man in his own image, that men made gods 
in their own image. And if they don't, someone will do it for them. And when someone creates your God for you, kind of like how Jesus created Judas' God and David Koresh created David Thibodeau's God, when those things happen, you're left, there you are with all that trauma. You fell into the hands of something. You, you didn't create your own God in your own image, so someone did it for you. And then you lived a life of trauma. So there it is. There's my thoughts on uh, on Judas and the betrayal of Jesus Christ. And uh, I know that uh, you could say, well, Brando has some hot takes on the Bible. Um, but there's one thing I will say anytime we go here and anytime we go down this rabbit hole of breaking down a story, you know, I'm not just some dude that one day decided to start picking on the Bible. You know, I'm a guy that uh, grew up in it, was raised in it. And I can't remember not reading it. I can't remember not studying it. I can't remember not hearing it said to me. There was things that didn't sit well with me from the time I was a child. And when I started speaking out, you know, I was removed from Sunday school class for asking too many questions and finally just walked away from the church for good because it didn't align with, with, my, with my own beliefs. And I had a guy on TikTok say to me, well, then if you left the church because of hypocrisy, then you're the hypocrite. And I'm like, you didn't read the Bible because the very book you're claiming that you believe in the very book you love to thump the loudest tells you that you're supposed to watch out for those kind of people so there's that but uh it's not me trying to tear down the bible it's me trying to to lift up those that have been in traumatic situations and you know they're i mean i'm sure someone will hear this and go but there's good people in the church absolutely there are um there's, there's also there's good people anywhere in this world. There's good people in a gang right now somewhere. There's a good kid. But if he's following the gang leader, he's, a, he's on the wrong path. You know, I, I hear so many people say, well, I don't go to church for, I don't go to church for what, for that. I go for the fellowship and I go for the, to worship the Lord and I go, I go to meet, make friends and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but if you're sitting under Greg Locke or Shane Vaughn or Kenneth Copeland or preachers right around my part of the world, that I've sat under, if you're sitting under that dude and he's spewing hatred and racism and homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, he's spreading division, he's spreading white supremacy, let's just go ahead and say it, and you're sitting there going, well, I'm just here for the cookies. <laughs> no. People on the outside are looking at you going, man, he aligns himself with that. He drops money in that guy's plate. He supports that guy's platform. And going back to the front of the episode, yeah, you have a free speech. You can you can you can support whatever platform it is you want to support, but there's consequences for supporting those platforms. And I'm not here trying to tear down Christianity. I'm here trying to lift up the ones who have been torn down by Christianity. And so, for those of you who are deconstructing, um, you can reach out to me anytime, and we'll talk about it at length. And I will enjoy it. Hell, I'll have you on the damn podcast. You can tell me your experiences. I I'm, I still want to do that. I still plan on doing that. That's something in the near future that I want to do is bring on guests and I want to talk to people um, and, and I want to have conversations and, and hear people's stories of their own journey. So uh, I want to thank you guys again for tuning in. I will try my damnedest to get you all another episode in the next couple of days because they're supposed to come out on Mondays. Uh, so I will do my damnedest to, to get you another one out. Uh, I should be able to this Monday. I've got a gig uh, this coming Saturday. I'm playing up in Indiana up in uh, Morgantown at a little place called Frenchie's, and I'm really looking forward to that. I always have a good time up there. So maybe when I get home uh, Sunday evening and kind of sit down and relax for a little while, I'll sit down and record you all one and hopefully drop you one on Monday. I 
can't promise you nothing because I'm, like I said, I'm busy and I'm uninspired <laughs> all at the same time, and that's a hell of a place to be in. <laughs> so uh, I do, though. I really, truly thank all of you that takes time out of your day to listen. I've, I've, I've had so many people reach out to me and say, hey, man, I listen to your podcast uh, driving back and forth to work. I listen to your podcast you know, while I'm doing these things, and, and that means the world to me that someone would want to sit down and, and hear me talk for 50-some minutes about something that I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know if I got it right. I'm just throwing out some thoughts into the world and you know, trying to put my perspective and, you know, hey, th this is what, you know, I believe could possibly be true of this. But you tell me what you think, you know. Let me know what you think of, the, of, of, uh, of Elon Musk buying Twitter. Let me know what you think about freedom of speech. Let me know what you think about uh, the story of Judas. And was he, was he the good guy? Was he the bad guy? Was he the traitor? Was he the victim? What was he? Let me know. Uh, until next time, though, I'm your good buddy, Brando. Y'all take care, and I'll see you next week.